back to throw. Young almost falls down. Throws to the end zone. Throws to the end zone. up 49er fans welcome back to another episode of move the chains we have a big episode for you today of course the 49ers went up to seattle uh swept the dreaded rival seahawks and won the nfc west Uh, so it's a a little bit of an early christmas gift for us as niner fans we are going to the playoffs we have at least one home playoff game and we'll get into some of the other stuff uh, as far as what else could possibly happen before i go any further with me as always is alex what's up alex What's up, Sean? What's up, faithful um, NFC West champs, man? This is a great feeling. Yeah. Um, it's been how a the West years. was won. Yeah, it's been <laughs> a few years since we held that title, and uh, I'm glad that, you know we got it so early in the season. Especially when earlier in the season we we're a little a little scared with all these injuries and mm-hmm. Jimmy going down. But uh, it's looking really good. It's a really good time to be a 49ers fan. Absolutely, man. It's uh, you know. A little bit of a slow start again this year. You know, we don't want to go too far back in the past, but, you know, three and four, everyone was a little frustrated. You know, we all were. But, you know, here we are, seven-game win streak. We are at 10 and four. And, Alex, you mentioned, you know, we uh, we, we, we missed you guys about a week here after the uh, the big blow went over Tom Brady. But, you know, for, in a five-day period to go from eight and four to 10 and four, that's a, it's yeah. a pretty good feeling. No, it's a really great yeah. feeling. Yeah. Especially, and, especially uh, if it doesn't go the other way, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Because it can it can totally bite you. Just like I always say, having a three game homestand the way we did, you know, with the uh, Saints, Dolphins, and Bucks. Yeah, that can go against you if you don't win all three. Because you anticipate, oh hey, that should be three wins, and if you end up losing even one of them, it ends up going the other way, like you said. So uh, yeah, we we again we beat the Seahawks. We swept them. Uh, look. <laughs> We, we've been on record as far as talking about rivals and this and that. There's no mystery. That rivalry, quote-unquote rivalry, it peaked with the Harbaugh years. you know. And that was not a Niner-Seahawk thing. That was a Jim Harbaugh-Pete Carroll thing, right? Plus those players from Stanford that he you know, disrespected. There, that's, that's all well-documented. But you know, obviously, for a lot of Niner fans, you know, those years were a lot of fun. And losing to Seattle the way we did – and then for them to continue to kick our ass, really, while we were down, it took us a number of years to figure it out, you know. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, even before Harbaugh and after, we've had a lot of um, kind of fluke losses, unlucky bounces, and just bad games up there. There's something in that stadium. Uh, this is just our sixth win overall. And that stadium opened way back in 2002 during the first year of realignment. That's when the NFC West used to be Saints, Falcons, Rams, Niners uh, and Panthers. Now, of course, it's Cardinals, Saints, uh, sorry, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners. Uh, and, you know, really, like I said, we've had a couple of blowout losses, a couple of close ones as well. Um, you know, way back in 03, 09, 14, 17, even last year, it wasn't all that much of a blowout. But I think back, you know, in 04, the 49ers had a streak of uh, no avoiding shutouts for 400 plus games. And it ended in Seattle. We lost 34 to zero. 
a year later, we went back up and they beat us 41 to three. Yeah. You know, Pete Carroll's first game was 31 to six in week one. That's when we were picked to be the NFC West champs that year and finally kind of come back. But uh, 2012, of course, that was the game right before Christmas Eve. I think it was December 23rd, if I remember right. It was Harbaugh's birthday, and uh, the Seahawks were, you know, they were that team that was uh, a dark horse, and they caught fire in that second half. And they put a beating on us. It was 42-6 to six into the fourth quarter. We got a garbage time touchdown, 42-13. And really, that's when I could – it was the start of me not being able to stand their fans. You know, social media was taking off at that time. And that's um, yeah, just when – Matt you know, different was out there with his music. <laughs> What was oh god? <laughs> Even though he was a Viking fan three years prior, but oh shit! <laughs> uh, yeah, literally those pictures of him at the NFC Championship game as a Viking fan. But right, and you just—I don't know—I felt like you know, just like at that time, you had you know the Miami Heat were sort of the it team, right? The team that your average fan, especially if you were you know a younger fan, they jump on the bandwagon. So to me, I'll always tie you know those Seahawks teams. And let's be real, you know, they had they carried that that kind of attitude that it would attract, you know, they, they were popular for a reason. Right? They had they had a bunch of marketable players, you know, Mark Son, they had Sherman, you know, they had a bunch of guys that you could get behind if if you didn't otherwise already have a team. So, you know, I, I look back, like I said at that time, 42 to 13, and just I, I don't know. I always look at the Seahawks as that guy walking into a bar looking for a fight, and everyone's like, Who is this guy? You know, I mean, they've been in existence since 1976. You know, most of their own fans don't even know that they've actually bounced conferences twice. They started as an NFC team in 1976. And then from 77 to 01, they were in the AFC West before coming back to the NFC West. Yeah. The thing is, who is their rival? You know, they they, they like to say, oh, the hated Niners. Before that year, those uh, those games, we didn't have any history with them. You know, they were just an irrelevant franchise that had never won anything in their in their entire existence. Who who are you to even have a rival? You know, what have you ever done that you have a rivalry? You know, who who I don't know. So kind of fast forward a little bit from there. Of course, the 2013 NFC Championship game when Kaepernick had his meltdown in the fourth quarter with three consecutive turnovers. And uh really that slammed the door shut on that era. You know, we had a mediocre 2014 and then Harbaugh was gone. Uh, Patrick Willis retired. Justin Smith retired. Uh, Bowman got hurt and was never the same. Kaepernick ended up, you know, falling apart. Uh, Crabtree left. Gore left. Right, you name it. You know, it was a lot of, uh, so, you know, yeah, it, it was uh, it was a time of a lot of change. And meanwhile, Seattle goes on to win the Super Bowl and they win their only one to date. They had to go back to another one before they choked on their own. But uh, you know, that's that's sort of just a little bit of. Backstory, I guess, on uh, on this little quote unquote rivalry that the NFL likes to push. So I think it was poetic that the last two division titles that we've had, right, twenty nineteen and twenty twenty two, now were both clinched on that field. Yeah, it's sweet. This is the first sweep since twenty eleven. So yeah, it feels good. I think Joe Staley, who's uh, Fred Warner or George Kittle, talking about Joe Staley. How, you know, when Joe was still part of the team, he he would mention that, that it's so hard to beat this team and it's mm-hmm. a, it's an emotional game. And for us to have uh, our first sweep of this uh, rival since 2011, that's awesome. That's 10 years. That's a whole decade. So it kind of shows that we're trending in the right direction. 
Um, but you know what? I think what really annoys me about that Seattle, that this uh, era, which is it's, it is ending, but I mean, it still kind of lingers, is Pete Carroll's uh, gum chewing. Oh, God. I think, <laughs> I think that's why I can't stand the dude. I, I think I've always said he, he, he looks like a he looks like a jackass on the sideline doing it. Right. And, and I think he exaggerated. He knows everyone's looking. I've always said he looks like a kid that put like five starbursts in his mouth and tries to chew them all at once. You know, or like like a Tootsie Roll or something. So like, what are you doing, man? I, I don't know. Like Pete Carroll is rah rah, the cheer, the wooing, and everything. You know, it's I, I go back to the Green Bay game with the uh, the replacement refs, where they clearly handed them the game, and he's standing next to the referee as he uh, as he announces the, the the call, and he turns around and goes, you know, starts going woo, you know, cheering with his hands up in the air. Oh, get out of here, dude! You look like a fucking <laughs> cheerleader. Yeah, well, but you look that, like Ellen DeGeneres, but <laughs> that era is ending, and yeah. in a way, we're we're taking on a, a new era, you know, moving forward. So, right. Um, actually, you know what? Seattle they, they do have a, a top three. I think they're third in the draft order. So, well, yeah, the they, have, they have Denver's draft down. pick. So, yeah, yeah. But, they're, uh, they're gonna, yeah. Luckily for us, they don't know how to draft for shit, so they'll yeah. probably fuck that one up too. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they draft a running back. Yeah. There's, there's. I hate that's the other thing I hate. Seahawk, quote unquote, fans, they like to live on, you know, they always say, hey, Niner fans, don't live in the past, right? Don't live in the past, you know, live in the current time, right? Okay, they like to live on this, you know, huge myth that the Seahawks are the best drafting team in football. You had three good drafts from 2010 to 2012, and you haven't done shit since then. So, you know, that's, get, get out of here with that idiotic concept. They've had more bad drafts than just about any team in football. You know, from 2014 onwards, they pretty much have had, you know, DK Metcalf. They've had Tyler Locke. They've had a few, maybe five players legitimately contribute, but they've had some terrible drafting. You can say the Niners have had some really good drafting the last few years. I think since 2018 yeah. and up, there's a few teams in that list. I want to say the Steelers. You can, you can add the Steelers as a good drafting team. Right. The Ravens, I feel like. The Ravens are a good drafting team. Yeah. The teams that stay... Pretty consistent. consistent. Yeah. Uh, even through phases of their roster, right? Yeah. I, I think the Eagles used to, and they've changed uh coaching coaches and owner and uh, management quite a bit now. But once upon a time they used to represent, you know, that same stability. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, in, in in a way they're, you know, they're they're kind of back to a playoff contention. So we'll see. So this is gonna be our first division title since 2019. And it's going to be the uh, fifth title since the realignment that Sean mentioned uh, back in uh, 2002. And, um, you know, shout out to the Niner fans. We've been seeing a lot of red jerseys out there uh, when we're playing away. Yeah, like you mentioned, Alex, uh, it was visible. You know, again, this stadium with blue seats, blue uh, jerseys and that hideous lime green that they like to wear. Yeah. You know, so oh, dude, those, hideous- those jerseys were not it. Uh, and I, I don't know. They, like I said, man, it's a gimmick franchise. They used to actually, believe this or not, when they used to pedal 12th man, you know, they were, like I said, they were so irrelevant that the country didn't even know about this as a whole until those, you know, Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, Earl Thomas years, right? They used to actually lease the 12th man slogan from Texas A&M because they have it uh, copyrighted or trademarked. Oh, wow. So they used to pay them a small fee every year. And then when Seattle blew up, right, they go to the Super Bowl and then obviously... Now the twelfth man thing is, uh, you know, a big. It's it's it permeated pop culture almost, right? You could talk to uh, people that weren't even huge sports fans, and people were talking about it. 
So they they stop using 12th man and now they now just say 12s. So uh-huh. you have these you have these lime green idiots with they retired the number 12 with fan on it. Right? They actually act like they're a part of the team. Or they refer to one another as 12. Hey 12, what's up, 12? We're a bunch of idiots, <laughs> man. Like I said, it's it was never their players. I don't like Pete Carroll. I never like Russell Wilson, but you know, I never had any hatred for you know guys like Lynch and Sherman and you know, even Earl Thomas. I, I like the way they play the game. You know, it was, it was, it was their fans that I just could not stand. So, yeah. you know, even if now it's not the same team, a lot of those guys are gone. The fact that we can stick it to them is 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 hilarious to me. Yeah. The the Niners defense and Seahawks defense, I mean, those early uh what 2011, 12, 13, that yeah. was kind of the end of an era. It was a transition. It was a transitioning phase now towards these young, uh, these smaller, faster, efficient uh, linebackers. Right. Like I think we mentioned it before, Alex, uh, maybe on the draft episode. Uh, I want to say it was Bill Romanowski who said it. He says, we used to draft college safeties, sorry, college linebackers and move them to safety in the NFL. Now we draft college safeties and move them to linebacker. In the yeah. NFL, yeah. Yeah. Right. True. If that doesn't say it all, I mean, Bobby Wagner was an example of that, right? Undersized for a linebacker. You know, they compared him to Willis and Bowman at the time. I said, there's no comparison just because they're different types. Bobby Wagner's a great player. Don't get me wrong. And in many ways, he's probably better suited for today's NFL than Willis and Bowman were. Yeah. Right. And then you have a guy like Fred Warner played safety, right? That, that very much fits what the modern NFL is about. You know, you have to be able to stop the run. Absolutely. That's you're still your primary, you know, focus as a linebacker, you know, to win the line of scrimmage. But you have to be able to cover as well. Cover these tight ends. You better, better be able to cover the running backs. Cover these running backs, yep. Slot receivers yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yep, yep. You're right. It, it marked kind of a turn in, uh, you know, the way defense was played. Uh, Christian McCaffrey really carried, no pun intended, carried us, you know, carried the run game. Uh, this was actually the most number of carries he's had in a career. Uh, sorry, the most number of carries he's had in his career. And uh, he really showed up big time. You see with some of the replays and uh, advanced kind of breakdown, it's clear why he's one of the best running backs in the game. Yeah. Right? His vision, his cutback ability, you know, nothing against, you know, the guys like uh, Jeff Wilson and, you know, Jordan Mason and even a guy like Eli Mitchell at, at a young, early age of his career. Right. Yeah. Uh, stage of his career. So, you know, it's clear why McCaffrey is a special player, right? Yeah. His, his, his vision, the run game, his ability to catch passes. Uh, yeah. He was definitely the MVP of the game for us. Yeah. It also makes sense that he's getting better as the weeks are passing by, right? It's a new team, new offensive line. Uh, Complicated offense. To learn. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he's finding his groove and, and yeah. uh, we're riding it straight to the playoffs, man. This is, this is I think we're 7-0. and If you don't count that Chiefs game, which he was only a 49ers for two days, if you yeah. don't count that game, we we're, that win streak is with McCaffrey. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I think it's, like I said, it's visible, right? And he's putting up numbers. He's making everyone else's job easier, and I think that's the key there. Yeah. Right. And then see the other thing I know a lot of fans were probably pounding the table saying, Hey, don't run him into the ground. Where's Jordan Mason? Where's Jordan Mason? Why has he not been running? Well, the rumor, again, this is just coming from some of the beat writers. He doesn't really know the uh the pass the pass blocking well enough just yet to be put in those divisions. So if you want to keep the defense guessing, 
run or pass, which, of course, with McCaffrey, they have to wonder which one it's going to be. Uh, if you have Mason in the game, they're going to pretty much know it's a run and sell and just stop the run. Mm-hmm. And also, he's a rookie, uh, fumbling issues. Right. Um, NFL's a different game than college, different speed, different hits. So, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that weighs in. Kyle Shanahan, when he first became a head coach, he was he was uh, having his rookies, you know, play out there. I think we were leading the NFL in snaps for uh, percentage and snaps for rookies. Yeah. And now he's become very conservative where he prefers to redshirt you. Right. Um, you know, a name that I actually want to mention is Diamond Lenore. You know, we mm. in a way redshirted him last year, his rookie year. Now he's kind of keeping things quiet opposite of Mooney Ward. So this is exactly how you want your corner to be you don't want to hear yeah. you know pass interference touchdowns like he it's it's quiet it's quiet out there so diamond de lenore man great job yeah it's like alex like you know like i said back <laughs> i want to say this is our uh, senior year of high school senior ditch day and i had to go on to campus and turn something in i don't know what it was and then i'm leaving i was like, i figured they're not gonna stop me i'm gonna walk out and uh mr Jackson stopped me he goes you I know you, but I don't know your name. So that's a good sign. What are you doing? I was like, then he goes, wait a minute. What grade are you in? I was like, I'm a senior. Get out of here. <laughs> that's funny. Right. It's the same concept, right? You know, you, you don't want to know your corner's name. Right? That means something's wrong. But yeah, you mentioned, you know, with Kyle, when they took over Chip Kelly's team, this was essentially an expansion roster. All right. We had, um, <laughs> you know, not very many NFL caliber players. I think there were five within three years left for when we took the field in Miami. And it was Buckner, Armstead, uh, Jimmy Wards, Kwaski Tart, and I forget. I think Joe Staley. That was it. Right. Yeah. Or whatever it was. It was less than 10. I can tell you that. Oh, for sure. So, right. So, but yeah, again, you know, now Kyle has the luxury of being able to sit these guys, let them learn, let them, mm-hmm. you know, absorb the. Uh, nuances of, of our offense and of our system. So and earn the snaps. Earn it exactly. Yeah, right. So um, you know, of course, another key player, George Kittle. He uh, he actually jokingly mentioned after the game uh, that you know Nick Bosa said in a post uh, post game press conference after I think it was uh, was it the Miami game where uh, Bosa yeah. had three yeah when he sacks. had three sacks yeah so he ends up saying well yeah coach called me out and uh, of course. You know, he threw his key blocks, but, you know, George Kittle, he had two two long touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, there was a little bit of kind of tripping going on. Hey, what's wrong with Kittle? You know, of course, he does block a lot, but is is he injured? You know, is he a little washed up at 29 years old? Which, you know, to me is a little ridiculous, but, you know, that, that, some of that was going on. So, I think the idea is that, you know, he's there when he needs to be used, right? We have not been in very many of those you know stressful situations where we're kind of up against the wall lately so i I think i think still seeing him step up while debo's out was was big yeah this is an offense where i mean people take turns on having a breakout game yeah (laughs) so what's uh, the quote the quote is fuck your fantasy team right yeah (laughs) hey man we're winning seven games in a row so right use them not use them as long as we're winning um you, know, you mentioned Debo being out. Ayuk had a pretty good game. Um, I know he dropped that one ball that was potentially sealing the game. I think it was a first down. Just continue run down the clock. Um, so, I mean, 
that's on him. But other than that, I mean, everything's been pretty consistent. I think we've seen a lot more of McLeod. I'm I'm hoping to see some Danny Gray, but I think he's currently he may be nursing an injury. Uh, but I think as the year goes by and we rest our starters, hopefully we see right. some Danny Gray out there. Right. I, I think McLeod is getting those Danny Gray snaps right now. He is. Yeah. He got that big third and 15. That was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I think it was pretty cool play design and Purdy hit him. I think the other thing about Purdy, which we know we'll get to him, he deserves his own little block. Um, not only do they say, you know, he throws a catchable ball, meaning he puts it, you know, on the numbers or right out in front of you. He puts it in a place where it falls in line with the route design, right? By that, I mean it's not above his head. It's not behind him. It's not in an awkward place. It's like he can run, you know, catch it on the go, you know, and, and still pick up seven, eight yards on, on with, with this momentum carrying him, right? Yeah. With that throw to McLeod, it, it was perfectly placed, and he was able to turn on the Jets and, you know, beat the defender to the sideline. Third and 15, you're probably thinking, hey, let me get – five, six, seven yards, you know, to flip the field position. I don't think you're realistically expecting to convert that, right? No, you're looking for basically no turnover, no mistakes, and just play it safe, especially with the lead that we had. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, you know, uh, on to Brock, right? Obviously, he is uh, the the big story right now in the NFL, rightfully so. You know, I, I don't think, I mean, in the, 25 plus years that I've been watching football, uh, I, I had to think long and hard. I think maybe Kurt Warner is the only uh, other time I can think of a story like this. this Kurt Warner good company. Was, right? Well, I, right, exactly. Where's his number two? Yeah. Uh, you know, Kurt <laughs> oh, Warner shit. was a guy that was, uh, you know, he was, I think, 27 or 28 in, in, that, in that magical 1999 season. You know, so he wasn't a rookie seventh round pick. You know, he, he played uh, briefly in training camp with Green Bay, and then he dominated in arena football. And I think he had a little stint in NFL Europe. So, you know, he if you followed football closely, you kind of knew who the guy was. But, you know, of course, you yeah. have the famous story. He was bagging groceries, stocking shelves or whatever, whatever, however it goes, right? Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I have to say that's probably the closest thing I can imagine. Of course, it takes a perfect – uh, a perfect absolute scenario for a rookie quarterback to be in this spot. You know, no rookie quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl. But, you know, again, that's because realistically, how many teams have a roster that's that ready to win and thinks, oh, let me just draft a rookie and put him in and we can win, right? Yeah. yeah there was this, um, I think it's an Instagram page. I think it's NFL memes, something with memes, yeah. NFL football. And they showed uh, the goats. I think it was. Uh, it was Michael Jordan for basketball. It was Wayne Gretzky for hockey. Uh, I forgot yeah. who was. Oh, I think it was uh, Messi because he won the world world uh, championship for uh, soccer or uh-huh. football, I guess. And uh, and then uh, Brock Purdy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I mean, what's yeah. obvious is uh, Brock Purdy's he, he's 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 out there, right? Social social media and the ESPN, all these networks are talking about Brock Purdy, and they want to paint the fantasy of uh, Brock Purdy taking the team to the playoffs and putting Brock Purdy next to Joe Montana and Steve Young. Well, there you go. uh, Yeah, I think that that has part to do with it, right? So here's this franchise, you know, that was once the gold standard. It's it's just very interesting. Like you mentioned, Sean, this doesn't necessarily happen very often in the NFL. You do see good quarterback play from a young player, but um, not as consistent as Brock Purdy. And... um, 
I mean, it's well, it, yeah. I mean, look, he's he's made some incredible throws. I was at the Tampa Bay game, mm-hmm. and you know the energy in that stadium was just different, right? It it, it kind of took me back a little bit to that five game stretch that we had when Garoppolo first got here. You know, you, you could kind of sense this confidence, you know, in the fan base. And I, I know the first play of the game, ironically, he kind of has his welcome to the NFL moment. Where he took a, a Ooh, sack. sack. Yeah. The sack. He took a little bit of a I think helmet, that helped. Helmet, uh, I think it did. I think it helped. I think it helped big time. Yeah. He went to Kittle early and, you know, he's had, he's brought Kittle back into involvement, right? Yeah. And any, you know, any young quarterback will lean on, on a, t- a good tight end, a great tight end. Yeah. So he's, and the thing is, Kyle mentioned, you know, he's made some play calls and, you know, had a game plan that is not necessarily, you know, geared towards uh, just a young rookie quarterback who didn't know what he was doing. He's made some veteran, you know, kind yeah. of uh, reads out there. Yeah. Um, it's, um, the, uh, it's poised. You know, it's poised. It the it's the poised. kid is poised beyond his years. He doesn't you know, seem jittery. He does not. He does not. He reads the pocket well. There was a play where they called a bootleg and a free rusher comes at him. He steps up and avoids that uh, that rusher and up into the pocket and fires to Debo. You know, completes a, a huge pass to Debo. I've always said, you know, I don't need a a running quarterback, you know, I need a quarterback that can move well, right? Yeah. I don't want to say you need to run 10, 12, 15 times a game. No, no, I'd rather you win with your arm. But I would say, speaking of a guy like Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner at his peak, or even into his later years, he was very good at feeling the pressure. He you know, was. Almost like he had eyes in the back of his head. It was so frustrating to play him as a Ram. <laughs> and then he comes to the Cardinals, right, after, the, uh, after one year with the Giants. You know, there were so many times where you'd have a rusher coming free. You would see it, right? And you're like, oh, he's going to get him. And then he steps up or steps back or steps yeah. forward. You know, to have that ability uh, to me is, is that's you can't really teach it either. Yeah. So if, if he's able to kind of maintain that pocket presence, you know, and, and the poise, like you said, some of these are a little, they're kind of popular buzzwords, but no, no they can actually describe a good quarterback versus a, a mediocre or a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, we obviously want to con- we want to continue to see this consistency, um, and uh, I mean we're in a, we're in a very interesting situation. You know, we have Trey Lance who was picked yeah. third overall, and we have Brock. Well, Trey Lance that didn't play, I think, just one season in his college career, and then you have uh, Brock Purdy who's played, I think, four years in his college. Four year starter, yeah, that's a many more games, right many more games, and uh, they're picked in complete opposite ends of this NFL draft, but. Yeah. You know, good job on Kyle. It doesn't matter where you get your quarterback as long as you have a so good quarterback that can run the game plan and get the ball out to the uh, playmakers. I'm glad you mentioned that, Alex, because I feel like there's a little bit of trust there. You know, he does. Again, this is just me spitballing here, but yeah, I don't feel like he's having to hold back. He being Kyle uh, doesn't have to hold back or, you know, limit the playbook, so to speak. So. Yeah, you know, if this who he feels comfortable with, I think that's a huge advantage because when Kyle's clicking on all cylinders, or you know, and, and where the players are executing, yeah, I don't think anyone can stop this, this offense. Yeah, this is a good this is a good problem to have. Right. Yeah, we, we want to be in this situation, <laughs> not not in the Jets situation. Right, Mike White yeah, is not their saving grace. So they're going to look uh, for another quarterback. That's unfortunate because that team is seven and seven right now. They were five and two at one point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the Dolphins are kind of going down too. I think they've had uh, Dolphins, multiple yeah. losses. Actually, there was a cool stat I saw just this morning. Uh, teams after they play the Niners are one and twelve in the next Ooh, game. I saw that. 
Yeah, it shows how they, they beat you up. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a similar stat like that. Yeah. Years back with both the Harbaugh Niners and the Pete Carroll Seahawks, where teams would lose a lot after playing us. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about, uh, we, I wanted to mention, we, we uh, Sean and I talked about this off air, but, mm-hmm. you know, big shout out to Brian Greasy, who's our quarterbacks coach. That's right. Um, this is someone that before the season started, it was a little confusing why he was chosen. Uh, the ties were with the Broncos and the Shanahan family, but also there was some ties with him taking over for a franchise quarterback like John Elway, how yeah. his experience may help somebody like Trey Lance take over for Jimmy Garoppolo, who was our starting quarterback. Um, so, you know, he's dealt with three quarterbacks this, this season, and we've seen a 10-4 and four team. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Huge shot to him. Especially, I know Jimmy's a veteran, but you got to remember, he did not work with Jimmy, not for, not for five minutes. Jimmy Garoppolo was spending training camp by himself, kind of rehabbing, uh, you know, getting some exercise and whatnot and throwing the ball around. But he was not, he did not have a playbook. He did not work with Brian Greasy. So they had to work together in a crash course, you know, to get, get up to speed, you know, learn each other's tendencies and whatnot. And yeah. then the fact that he has to do it again for a third time with a rookie seventh <laughs> round pick, you know, and I'm not going to say the word Mr. Arell. I'm kind of over that. I think, yeah, no, we're done with it that. was a cool, it's a cool marketing gimmick or a little thing. Cause look in the NFL draft, They've, they've been using that for years, but they never actually televised that part of the, the draft, mm-hmm. right? By then, the stage was still up there and everything, but, you know, you didn't have hundreds of thousands of fans showing up to the draft like they do now. They didn't make it a big, big moment where he goes up and or they hold up a jersey, right? Whatever, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, like you mentioned, four-year starter, you cannot underestimate what that means, right? I know it's, it's college, you know, it's... You know, Iowa State isn't exactly a uh, like a, a powerhouse program, but uh, <laughs> Kittle and uh, and Brock were on, on uh, you know the post game show together, and they're like, "So, is this a uh, a reconciliation moment between Iowa and Iowa State?" And uh, you know, they both kind of laughed it off. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, well, other things about the game, you know, uh, Brock made a great read. Actually, I, I look at some advanced film breakdown. There's a, first of all, he executed an old Bill Walsh play uh, with the double screen fake and then the pass to Kittle over the middle. Uh, they call that play Hollywood because Kittle has to sell it as an acting that he's blocking. So that's the power of having a guy like McCaffrey, you know, in the screen game. And then later in the game, there was supposed to be a screen pass to McCaffrey and Kittle's running a clear out, right? Just to kind of clear, create some space. And Brock Purdy recognizes that, and he fired it deep. This was the first minute of the third quarter. And Kittle catches it and runs off, you know, broke two tackles for a touchdown. So I think, you know, that vision downfield is going to be key for us to, uh, you know, to unlock that part of the offense. Because let's be real, the Chiefs and Rams, they knew where to, how to sell out and stop our, um, you know, our passing game in, in the last two big, big games of ours, right, in the Super Bowl at the NFC Championship game. So so just to kind of wrap up Seattle, um, Bosa had his uh, 15th and a half sack. And um, before that, though, he had that rough in the passer penalty. So um, I, to my understanding, I think that what they're penalizing is just him landing or what it appears him landing on the quarterback. But I mean, when you're playing full speed, I mean, it's it's hard to stop yourself from your, your own momentum. Right. So, yeah, that's uh, not one I think the that big people were happy with. Took away a pick six. 
Yeah, yeah, that was a Diamond Lenore, wasn't it? Yeah, Diamond Lenore. That would have iced the game at 28 to 3 at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we would have been able to rest guys a little bit sooner. So it, it took a couple more reps out of us, but hey, all in all, you know, we, we control the game. We were in the driver's seat the entire time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's uh let's talk about yeah. playoffs. Playoffs. Um, currently we're our the third seed. And uh, it doesn't appear that we're going to be moving to the fourth seed because the fourth seed is going to belong to whoever the NFC South champion is, which that whichever team it is, it's horrible. So we're going to keep that third seed. The only other option would be us, you know, winning out and hoping that Vikings lose a game or two for us to move up to the second seed. Yeah, all they would need to do is lose one, uh, which if the Colts had not choked away on Saturday, we would be the number two seed right now. Um, so next up, we have the Commanders. After that, the Raiders and uh, the Cardinals. And I'm mentioning them together because neither one of these teams is a team that they'll be favored in versus the 49ers. These are all teams that we can easily beat. Um, so, yeah, we can win out, but I believe we're going to be resting our starters most likely for the Cardinals game uh, just because of all the injuries we've had and because we know that we have that third seed locked away Mm -hmm. i really do think it's going to be that it's going to be eagles one seed vikings two and then we're going to be three i don't think that's going to change um vikings having winnable games coming up i think it's the giants next yeah they have the giants next giants packers and then bears that's right giants packers and bears so uh, two division games with the Packers and the Bears. So those are, you know, you can, you can say it's a coin flip, you know, uh, actually not the Bears, not the Bears, but the Packers have a really good chance of beating the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers seems like he's kind of dusting up the cobwebs, uh, maybe a little too late, but, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. Um, but I'm comfortable with the third seed. Um, I guess the only yeah. question for you, Sean, is who do you not want to play? Because um, I, I don't want to play. I don't want to play um, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not afraid of them, but I'd rather play them. Obviously, we now we're, we won't play them in the in the wild card unless they completely lose out. I think. Yeah, it would be in the NFC Championship. Right? I think. Yeah, so I think seeding. I don't know. To be honest, man, I, I, the way we're playing right now, I'm not scared of anyone in the NFC. True. I, my bigger concern right now, and we we talked about this with the uh, the old Colts Peyton Manning teams. You remember they would get off to the 13 and two start or 12 and one. You know, great records every year. And then come December, right around this time, you know, where high school students are all going on Christmas break for their two-week break off, they would start resting, guys. And then in the playoffs, they would lose to some hot team, right? Like I think 05, 07, you know, there was a couple times you know, where they were so far ahead. And then, you know, it's like, do you run the risk? They used to call it rest versus rust. You know, guys get rusty by not playing, right? So I personally think, like, look, last year, yeah, we did expend a lot of energy just to get in. Obviously, there's there should be a better balance than that, you know, where, where you have the ability to to rest a little bit and not have to play with your back against the wall. But, you know, I think we'll, let's check back. Next episode, we'll do that. All right, Faithful, that will do it for today. Uh, again, you know, fun episode. We are division champions. We're going to the playoffs. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. That will play out league-wide in terms of who we play. And uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas. And uh, go Niners. Go Niners. Thank you for hanging out with us, Faithful.
Thank you.